Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us for Live from Studio Q. I'm Brian Hanna. We're streaming live on Facebook. So if you're listening on WQLN Radio right now and you'd like to go to the WQLN Facebook page, you'll be able to see a live stream of our Live from Studio Q performance featuring our special guest, Erie Philharmonic guest soloist, Juliana Avdiva. Now, I'll just give you one little snippet of her history. In 2010, Juliana won the prestigious Chopin Piano Competition. What makes that really exciting is since 1927 or so, only four women have ever won that award. The previous woman to win the award was way back in 1965, and that was Marta Ogerich. So she's in some pretty good company, and they're in some pretty good company. Ladies and gentlemen, Juliana Avdiva.
That was beautiful. The Tchaikovsky Meditation, Opus 72, you said? You. It's a beautiful piece. Here, let me move the microphone in for you a little bit. So just like Elton John. Right? Exactly. That's, that's how I feel right now. Hello, everybody. <laughs> a little like Elton John. Yep. Uh, so you started taking piano lessons at the age of five. Exactly. And just a couple years back, you won one of the most prestigious piano competitions ever, the Chopin competition. Um, I saw a picture, the president of Poland was there. Did he give out the award? Uh, it's a pretty big deal. So when you prepare for a competition like the Chopin competition, is it an insane amount of pressure or were you just so ready at that point that it was, it was easy for you? I think what helped me indeed a lot was my, um, I, my idea was or my feeling was not to think about taking part in a, at a competition, you know, so I was actually preparing like for a celebration of music and of course 2010 was a special year, it was two, two, 200 years anniversary of Chopin's birthday, so it's a, it was an uh, uh, incredibly big party in, in Poland because they really adore Chopin and that's, it has a certain very special meaning for them. So everywhere on the streets in Warsaw, everywhere you could really feel the spirit, they, they, they had so many speakers uh, also outside on the streets that you could hear to, to his music so the feeling was that he would be you know he would be around somehow so that you could meet him with the city and that was for me extremely helpful because it, it gave certain inspiration as well you know to be a part of this kind of yes yeah, celebration that was uh, very helpful because then I, I didn't feel you know so stressed so it was actually a great joy to go uh, to, uh, to enter the stage of the Warsaw Philharmonic Hall and just to celebrate Chopin's music or to share it with uh, other people who also adore his music. So that was very special. Well, the competition, I, I was going through the list of winners and it always lists uh, first, second, third place. You know, and, uh, some really, uh, one of my favorite piano soloists uh, and conductors, Vladimir Ashkenazi, he didn't win, he came in second. Uh, Maurizio Pollini, he uh, of course uh, was uh, very successful. Um, what makes your uh, win so triumphant is uh, you're the fourth woman to win the Chopin competition. It's kind of was an all boys club for many years. So did that hold some something special for you? Not only did you win, but uh, putting you right up there with uh, the likes of Marta Ockerich. Well, I mean, of course, I'm very happy and proud uh, that I have won this very special award. But for me, honestly, I have to say, musicians generally, once they are on stage, they have no gender and no nationality so for me that is not if I come to the concert and enjoy the performance of a, a performance of a uh, musician I never think in terms of you see where he, where he or she comes from and what whatsoever um, but of course um, this feeling um, I, I still I still have to say that sometimes I still don't really believe that that really <laughs> happened you know what I mean that some, some something maybe it was a dream or something so it's still not because it was such a great thing for me, and of course I'm, I'm very grateful and happy that it, um, yeah, that it worked. And how soon after winning that did your career change? Well, generally the attention also uh, to the competition was public attention was so huge also because that was one of the first competitions which you could follow completely online. Right. And that makes of course a big difference because many people all over the world in Asia uh, in South America, in North America, in everywhere they were following it and some, somehow it was a completely new feeling also uh, for, for the people. 
Um, that's why it was actually immediately that was over indeed overnight a completely new uh, new life in a way, and because yeah, many pe people knew who I, who I who I am, and that was really something what you have to uh, learn how to deal with. I have to say, was it expected? For me did, to did win, you know that mean, you had a pretty good shot at it and that your life could change the very next day? I never thought. My goal was not, of course, but if you if you attend this kind of competition, you have to be, in my opinion, you have to believe that you can win it. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. But of course, I didn't, I did, it was not my, my ED fix, you know what I right. mean? That I was really like, I have to win it or something. No, I was very relaxed and I was actually not, not really, not really thinking so far. I was happy as I passed the first round. I was very happy as I passed the second and the, and the, and the, the, the third. So that was actually the steps which I was going, but never really uh, really being fixed on, oh, I need, I need to win. Well, the best part about winning that competition is it brought you to Erie, so now we've got you here. <laughs> and, and you know, um, most touring musicians will set up four, five, six concerts in a row, that way they're uh, coming from Europe and they'll play a whole bunch of cities. Uh, you flew in from Munich and now you're flying back when you're finished. That's so it's a one correct. shot for Erie. So we're very lucky to have you here this time. So. And if the snow is bad enough, we get to keep her a little longer. So let's just, uh, um, so uh, why don't we play another piece of music? Uh, when we're done, we'll talk to Steve Weiser from the Erie Philharmonic. Again, if you're watching at home or listening on WQLN radio, we're talking to Erie Philharmonic guest soloist Juliana Avdiva. Uh, did you want to do the Bach next? Maybe if we were talking about Chopin, I would Chopin? Say I would, yes, okay, we'll I do would, some Chopin would, next. Yes. Do you want to tell us what the piece uh, is? I would play the Mazurka Opus 59, number three in F sharp minor. Juliana Avdiva with the Thank music you. of Chopin.
Yuliana Avdiva with the music of Chopin. We'll let you rest for just a minute, and we're going to talk to Steve from the Erie Philharmonic, Steve Weiser. Here, let's switch up a little bit. I'll give you this microphone. I'll grab the red microphone. Just stay with me. This is our dance. There we go. So thanks, Steve. Hey, this is a beautiful concert. Great guest soloist. How did we end up with Juliana here in Erie? Um, I think a lot of it was uh, having a music director like Daniel Meyer with the connections that we know that he has. He he knew Juliana from uh, some personal connections and from working uh, in Pittsburgh. So we're we're pretty lucky to have uh, to have her here. Absolutely. And uh, again, you had to bring her all the way in from Munich. That's a little bit of a drive. It, it definitely a little bit of a drive, <laughs> a big boat trip, exactly. And then the first thing we did is I think her flight landed late Wednesday night. And then by Thursday morning at 9.30, we were doing an outreach visit for about 900 kids at Collegiate Academy. It's a great way so. to expose these kids to some real professional musicians. The Philharmonic yeah. does a lot of outreach programs, yeah. don't you? How and many a year? I mean, we probably mean every time we have a concert, we at least do one or two, and then we kind of do some in between. We do a lot over the summer, and this past outreach one was special because we actually were able to have Daniel sort of MC the event, and normally they get stuck with me, <laughs> right. and that's it's, it's not. I don't have the hair. I just can't do any <laughs> of this stuff. So, but it was it was fun to have Daniel sort of act as host. He had great questions. He talked to the the kids, and it was incredible to see uh, the auditorium at Collegiate Academy fits about 900, and it was full, and they were the best audience I've ever seen. It was it, you could have heard a pin drop in there. It was it was pretty fascinating. Well, I think it's going to be the same thing Saturday night yeah. at the Warner Theater. Uh, great program. Uh, the Beethoven Third Piano Concerto, stunning. Definitely. Juliana as the guest soloist. Uh, also in that concert, uh, John Adams' Short Ride in a Fast Machine. Four minutes of fury, and, and I don't know how you would describe it other than it's a brilliant piece. It's uh, John Adams, if you're not familiar. He comes from the same school as you would get Philip Glass or John Cage. But I think of him as a slightly more dramatic Right. Composer. He's a little bit more melodic. When you have a minimalist composer, they tend to stick with uh, rhythms mm -hmm. and chord changes, and you get your motion through the rhythms and the changing of the chords and the modulations. Whereas John Adams can really build in a beautiful melody. Definitely. In the middle of Short Ride in a Fast Machine, it, it opens with a wood block. And about a minute and a half in, you're ready to plug your ears because the wood block doesn't stop. It's, it's setting the drive, it's setting the tempo, it keeps everybody moving and in, and in sync. And right in the very middle, he just stops with the woodblock, and the brass comes in with this massive, beautiful fanfare, wonderful melodies. Can you tell who is the percussionist and who's the brass player <laughs> up here? <laughs> we're going right for the brass thing, and, enough of the woodblock. And we're like, oh, and the woodblock has to stop for a little bit. It's so... <laughs> <laughs> but it's a beautiful piece, and it's five minutes. It Great is. way to kick off this, this piece of music. And there's something very similar, though, about that brass section that I was just talking about is a very similar section will make an appearance in the Copland Symphony No. 3. Uh, Symphony No. 3 by Aaron Copland, huge piece. Uh, right at the end of World War II, America was looking for the great American symphony. Serge Kusevitsky and friends commissioned a piece by Aaron Copland. Now, what made this tough for Aaron Copland is not only did he have the pressure of trying to create a great American symphony. Now, he'd already had plenty of success coming into this, but now was his time. Serge knew he was the guy to do this. But he didn't only have to please millions of Americans, he had to please Serge Kusevitsky. <laughs> now, Serge had a penchant for grand orchestral pieces of music. 
He didn't like cute little ballets or cute little pieces. He wanted something huge, and Copeland delivered. Right. I mean, for me, when, when Daniel and I were programming this season, we were talking about this last year, I, I, I sort of, I'll take full responsibility for, for picking this one, because it was one of my final memories of when I was a, a student at Aspen. I think, doing the math, it was one of the last concerts I ever played was Copeland Three under Robert Spano with the huge festival orchestra out at Aspen. And it just, it changed my life as a piece of music, and I didn't know that much about it going in, so when all of a sudden you get to the fanfare, when it finally shows up, up after three incredibly long movements, you start the fourth movement with the fanfare for the common man, and it was like a beacon in the night. Like it's an incredible feeling, and I, for some reason, I wasn't one of the percussion instruments needed for that movement. So when they went to rehearse it, I didn't even have to study it because I wasn't as part of that. So it came as a surprise where you're like, oh, I know this tune, right. and it's it's an incredible feeling when you you go through almost 35 minutes of music and then that fanfare. It starts in the flutes and kind of builds up. It's you. It's hard to recreate. And that. of course, you'll recognize it. And it, originally, the fanfare for the common man was written years before this, right. kind of to help the war effort. It was exactly. a part of a, a commission of 15 fanfares, an orchestra commissioned. It was just one of those. And when Copeland was commissioned to write this symphony, he thought this would be the perfect addition right. to this 45-minute piece. So he actually started from the back and worked his way forward. And it's a brilliant piece. It's 45 minutes of, of sheer American brilliance. So uh, you don't want to miss that. And then, of course, the Beethoven. Right, exactly. And I think it's, it's the continuation of our Beethoven Festival. And we want to be able to do, over the course of four years, ending next year with his 250th birthday, we sort of wanted to hit hit the symphonies that you know about and then make sure we get these little sort of diamonds in the rough. And obviously everyone knows about the third piano concerto, but we definitely wanted it to be sort of front and center as one of our main offerings this year as part of the Beethoven. And I, I can't wait to hear it with Juliana. The first rehearsal's tonight with everybody, and that should be, it'll be fun. And I was reading that uh, when it actually premiered, Beethoven was the soloist. Right. And I was reading a, an anecdote that his page turner was terrified because as he's turning the pages, he sees nothing. Just little notes here and there, a little scribble to remind Beethoven what to play next. Little, But Beethoven hadn't had time to write out all of the piano part. He just had the entire thing in his head. All he did was make himself little notes so he would remember where the orchestra was supposed to do certain things. Could you imagine being that page turner? I wouldn't want to do that. The pressure would be too much. So <laughs> It's going to be a beautiful concert. Uh, more information is at eeriefill.org. Uh, you can call them 455-1375 for tickets. Now, we'll just take a, one second because I want to ask Juliana about some recordings she's done, and then uh, we'll be back to finish up with uh, the music music of Bach. So uh, you've got a number of recordings out. Yes. I was online looking at uh, everything from Chopin to, to Mozart. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about some of your recordings and where people can find them? Sure. Uh, I have done several, several um, recordings in the, in the past years. One of the, for me, one of the most uh, moving or also one of the most interesting recordings was my uh, recording with um, Orchestra of 18th Century and Maestro Franz Brüggen um, on a historical piano. It's a, it was a rare, a rare piano, uh, a real a rare French piano um, from 1847 uh, in a very good condition. So, uh, of course. Better condition than this? <laughs> <laughs> 
Is this piano from 1847? Uh, we don't know when this piano is from, but it well, works However, well. yes, <laughs> uh, it's a very good one. Uh, however, it was uh, generally for me this um, experience playing on historical instruments is very something very special because it gives me, I call it time machine, because of course Chopin or most of the composers, Beethoven, neither, whoever, so they were composing actually for another instrument, not for the Steinway or a piano grand which we use now. So this, the piano sound was completely different. It had much more overtones. The sound was much weaker and shorter, but for that it had much more colors. So it's actually a completely different piano playing when, you, when you're on those instruments. And for me it's very actually very interesting experience because then I really have a feeling that I dive into this world, which uh, in the sound world, which surrounded Chopin as he comp uh, composed his music, and it gives me uh, a feeling that I'm coming closer to his original uh, idea. You, you know what it's I mean? It's much more authentic. Yes, in a way. But I'm doing that really very, actually very uh, rare. But that that was to to have a chance to work with uh, Maestro Brüggen. That was absolutely amazing because he's inspiring. Um, ap approach generally his his feeling of music that was so so wonderful and I, I, I enjoyed it so much. My last recording was uh, dedicated to Bach's music. Uh, at one point, I realized that Bach was the composer somehow who um, I was his, whose music I was playing uh, really from the very beginning, from the, from the age of five, and somehow I had a really very strong desire to express my understanding and feeling of his music at, at the moment. So uh, that's why it, um, it, it's a real complete Bach uh, recording. It's uh, the music of Bach is enjoying a little bit of a resurgence thanks to Yo-Yo Ma too. He's uh, premiering the, uh, premiering, uh, promoting the Bach cello suites all over. He's doing performances all over of the complete cello suites, 80 minutes in a row. Uh, because he thinks it's so important. Even 300 years later, it's such a solid foundation for everything we do now. So uh, it's wonderful that you can bring a little Bach back to the forefront. And you're going to do a little Bach for us now, aren't you? Exactly. I will, um, I will play the bourrée from the second English suite in A minor. Here's Juliana Avdiva and the music of Bach.
Yuliana Avdiva, thanks so much. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. We're going to talk to Steve about a, a couple of things uh, for just another minute. But uh, again, we are so lucky to have you up here. Uh, this is a one of. Nobody in the United States gets to take advantage of this opportunity except for the Erie Philharmonic and all of you this weekend. So thank you so much for flying all the way from Munich just for this. This is wonderful. We're glad to have you. And we hope you come back soon. Get that? Yeah, Got that? OK, we're, uh, we're working on that now. Uh, so we're going to take just another second to talk to Steve Weiser before we wrap up. Uh, there's a lot of beautiful music still coming up this year with your Erie Philharmonic. There's a really fun show coming up. Only one opportunity left to see it, uh, The Wizard of Oz. Uh, there's only an afternoon matinee left because the evening show is sold out already. Exactly. So it's uh, two years in a row, or I guess three years in a row, that the Saturday night performance of our movie show has sold out about a month ahead of time. So, But we still have, we still have plenty of tickets left. I'd say we probably have 550, 600 tickets left for Sunday. So that, that show is going quickly. So if you're waiting, don't. Please get your tickets now. And, and this is a, a giant screen, like you said, the size of a barn. Yeah, it's the it, entire Philharmonic, and all they do is they take the music out of the movie. They leave the dialogue and everything else intact. All the dog barks from Toto, everything, everything is still there. Everything, <laughs> flying monkeys everywhere. It's going to be wonderful. You don't want to miss it. More information's at eeriefill.org. When is that coming up? So it's February 9th and 10th, and we still have tickets so available quick. for the 10th. And again, if, if you if you see the little screen that we have above the stage, we're not playing the film on that. We are playing the film on a screen that pretty much it hangs over the orchestra and it's as big as a movie theater screen. It's it's pretty awesome. So what else has Phil got going on? So after that, we have uh, another one that I'm really excited for, uh, Symphony Fantastique with a Simone Porter, a violin soloist, doing a couple pieces, a Michael Torkey javelin, a piece that he wrote for the Atlanta Olympics. But the, the star of that will be Symphony Fantastique. We're um, renting big church bells from Pittsburgh Symphony to bring up. And it's it's an incredible it's a, for me as a, as a percussionist, do it again. <laughs> but I've had to play the bell part many times in that piece, and it's it's incredible. It's such a it's an atmosphere that you rarely get created. Certain pieces always have that kind of special moment. In in the Copeland, it's the beginning of that fourth movement. You have things sort of at the end of Scheherazade from a couple of years ago, where it's sort of dying away and gets really really quiet. The moment that's created with the DSE array in Symphony Fantastique and those creepy church bells. You can't you can't emulate what that feels like. It's very cool. It's such an exciting season. Uh, you and Daniel have done a great job of programming some really wonderful music right. this year, finding some great soloists. Uh, we won't talk about next year's soloists. I had a little <sighs> sneak peek, but. Oh boy, just wait till you see who's coming next year. But uh, wonderful work this year, and thank you thank so much you. for bringing Juliana in and for bringing her to WQLN today. Uh, more information on all of the Erie Philharmonic ticket purchases, check out their shows, where do you get it? eeriephil.org, phone number 455-1375. Uh, Our Facebook page is always up to date, and we actually just released uh, two new apps for uh, iPhone and all Android devices that came out this past Sunday. And it's, it's great, check it out. It has, you can purchase tickets, there are behind the scenes special, special event uh, experiences kick in when you walk in the Warner Theater, it knows that you're there and it gives you different experiences that no one else can get between behind the scene program notes, sometimes special deals. So it's the app it's is high tech. It's, it's pretty cool. The app is, <laughs> is out now as well, so. Well, some wonderful opportunities. Thanks to our friends at the Erie Philharmonic. Thanks again to Juliana Avdiva. Um, your website, is it julianaavdiva.com? avdivapiano.com, easy to find. I'll put a link to that on our Facebook page so that you can hunt it down there. Uh, information on her recordings, her biography, her tour schedule, everything is right there. 
Uh, and then again, eeriefill.org for more information on the Erie Phil. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Juliana. And thank everybody at home for joining us. Thanks, Aaron, Tyler, and Dan for engineering today's broadcast. And thank you to everybody for joining us on Facebook Live and on wqln.org and here in the studio. Thank you, everybody. Have a great afternoon. Thanks. Thank you.